It is Thursday, October 20th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 7 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, Jared Smolin. Jared, we got New Orleans at Arizona tonight. Can't be bad as last Thursday night for sure. <laughs> the Cardinals are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. We got an over-under 43-and-a-half. But what we don't have yet is a clear view of who's going to be starting at quarterback for the Saints. Yeah, Tom Pelissero says it's probably going to be Andy Dalton, which makes sense. He said Jameis Winston still isn't back to 100%. I don't know. The Saints might, might just be sticking with Dalton at this point because he's played well enough. Now, the Saints have gone super, super run heavy with Andy Dalton the past three weeks. I would expect that to continue tonight with Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry out. Um, so, you know, d- definitely a good spot for Alvin Kamara, who's, who's seen awesome volume uh, when he's been healthy this season. Yeah, I mean, if Jameis Winston is even just uh, iffy health-wise, there's no real reason not to just stick with Andy Dalton. I don't think there's a huge difference in terms of win probability between those two quarterbacks, so mm-hmm. it certainly makes sense for them to stick with Andy Dalton. The offense, like you alluded to, it's been fine overall. It has leaned very heavily on the run, but 392 yards per game in total over the past three weeks without Jameis Winston, 25-plus points in each of those games more than 200 total rushing yards for the Saints in each of the last two weeks. A lot of that from Taysom Hill, especially a couple weeks ago. Rashid Shahid had the 44-yard touchdown run from a wide receiver spot last week. That helped boost the numbers, but you know, plenty of rushing upside there. I did just, like, in the prep for this show, I bet the over on the 15-and-a-half carries for uh, Alvin Kamara in this one because he's had 19 and 23 of those the past two weeks. Yeah, 19.0 carries and 7.3 targets per game in Kamara's three healthy outings. Um, again, I would expect them to lean on Kamara again tonight. Uh, I think, you know, Chris Olave should be back in fantasy lineups. Tough matchup, as we talked about with DK Metcalf last week. The Cardinals have continued to limit opposing number one wideouts. But I, I think Olave is just such a strong target bat that I would, I would you know, lean towards playing him. And I, I still don't believe that the Cardinals are doing anything <laughs> that stops opposing number one wideouts. I mean, you know, I can't say that I've that I've dug into the film to figure out what the issue is, but just looking at the way they're built, I, I have a very difficult time believing that there's some, you know, stopper of opposing number one wideouts here. I agree. Chris Olave is a strong start. Juwan Johnson is also kind of a sneaky one for plenty of tight end needy teams out there. Six targets last week was third on the team. Four catches was second on the team. Adam Troutman played in that game, but left early. He's out tonight. So Juwan Johnson looks like a, a solid inside option for that offense. Yeah, he's okay. I think, you know, just looking at our rankings, like I prefer Hunter Henry as a play this week if he's available. I I, I prefer Noah Fant as a spot starter. Um, so, you know, jo- Johnson's not my favorite, um, you know, streaming option this week, but in, in deeper leagues and, and for DFS showdowns tonight, I think he, he's a nice play. Arizona's been bad against tight ends. I can't remember the last time that I've had a favorite streaming option at tight ends. Yeah. It's more like, a, all right, this guy might do something. For sure. <laughs> we'll get to Seattle too. Their, their matchup's not awesome for tight ends later, but uh, I, I think Juwan Johnson's decent if you need a, a streaming level tight end. For showdown purposes, yep. I think I'd lean slightly toward Traquan Smith over Marquez Callaway in this game. Not either player is going to, is likely to make a big fantasy impact tonight, but Traquan Smith spends more time in the slot than Marquez Callaway, slightly shorter average depth of target. So, you know, slightly better fit for Andy Dalton's game. Really a toss up between those guys though. You know, I think for the Saints passing game, it is worth noting that the Cardinals are still first in pass rate over expected against because they're much you know tougher against the run. Not that they're great against the run, but they're very bad 
against the pass generally. So um, maybe that pushes the Saints to, to pass a little bit more. But again, I would still expect it to be a Camara-centric game, game plan with Taysom Hill probably mixing in quite a bit too on the ground. Taysom Hill did touch the ball nine times last week, four pass attempts, five carries, five total pass attempts for the season now. So don't factor that into your hopes for Taysom Hill this week, but five plus carries in three straight games. You know, it's not a huge amount, but it's a decent amount for the way that he runs the ball and where he sometimes gets it at least 14 carries the past two weeks, even with Alvin Kamara back in the lineup. Yep. Five or so carries seems like a pretty fair projection for him tonight. On the Arizona side, I still loathe to bet anything over here if I'm making close decisions. James Conner is questionable, so we'll see about him. I would bet on him not playing at this point, but you know, we'll have to watch and see. So what about Eno Benjamin and James Conner's absence if we assume for now that Conner's not playing? Yeah, I mean, Benjamin got elite usage last week, played 87% of the snaps, ran around on 83% of the pass plays. He got 15 of the 18 running back carries, uh, three targets for an 8% target share. I, I would I would bet on that coming up, even if he's you know running 83% of the routes. But, um, you know, sh- Struggling offense, not an easy matchup against the Saints. They're seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. But for me, like Benjamin's workload makes him a pretty solid RB2 play tonight. Yeah, I would challenge the solid part of that. I think he's in play for RB2 use. I think that this is kind of a crossroads of projections versus rankings or expectations in that, you know, projections obviously were relying pretty heavily on history uh, to, to show us what's likely. And the, the whole point is obviously so that we can bet on what's likely as opposed to saying this is definitely what's going to happen. So I think, you know, Benjamin's one where we don't have a whole lot behind him to base things on. If we project him into RB2 range, we're saying he's going to get used like he was last week and he'll be all right as long as he doesn't, you know, completely blow up. I, the one spot I would counter is that's just one game. Maybe the way that last week went for Arizona, they say, well, we can't have things go the way that they did last week. Even if that means giving Rondale more five carries this week, whether that means throwing the ball, you know, 64% of the time this week, whatever we need to change up something. Maybe we give it to Keontae Ingram more. It's, it's tough to say the exactly what changes, but I, I don't, I don't have any reason to bet on, you know, Benjamin versus other guys around him in that range, which are like Ezekiel Elliott, Najee Harris, who have a lot more behind them for me to bet on. The last point, Arizona 20th in football outsiders adjusted line yards, 24th in running back yards per carry. So collectively, Cardinals running backs aren't even getting the disappointing level of yards that their offensive line is blocking for. So it's just a situation that I'd rather bet against. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not excited to play Benjamin, but I'm pretty confident he's going to get you know a similar workload tonight. I don't, I don't think they want to use Kante Ingram. He's a sixth round rookie. Um, and you know, but you know, Benjamin, again, Benjamin got basically RB one level usage last week. So we're already, you know, docking him a bit for the efficiency and maybe some unknown by ranking him as an RB two. Yep. That's fair. Kyler Murray. We have to talk about only two weeks so far inside the top 11 among fantasy quarterbacks. Both of those weeks included a rushing touchdown last week, ran for a hundred yards on the ground, still finished just QB 12. So, I mean, I would love to not trust him this week. I can't argue that the upside is there. I don't even know if the upside's there. I just think the floor is decent because of the passing volume and the rushing production. We know he's going to give you, um, you know, he's quarterback seven on the season. Now he's averaging three and a half fewer fantasy points per game this year than last year. I mean, you know, he has not been a difference maker. He's been a floor play. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, with, you know, with Josh Allen and, and Jalen Hurts on by this week, like it's kind of hard to, to rank Murray outside the top eight, I think. So, he, you know, he's Murray's not a guy I'd go, you know, looking for someone on the waiver wire to replace him, I, I would stick with him as your starter tonight. 
I agree with not going hunting on the waiver wire, but I think at least in our rankings, I'd play Gino and Tom Brady over him. And I'm not looking at the rankings right now to see who else. Yeah. I'd play Kyler over those guys. Um, We'll get to Brady, but he's been disappointing so far in fantasy. Uh, He did have 10 carries last week with no James Conner. So again, I mean, maybe that's part of the plan for if there's no James Conner again, maybe they have Kyler Murray run some more. Maybe he just has to run some more because they're throwing more and he scrambles away. But whatever the case, I do think no James Conner would add some rushing upside here. No Marshawn Lattimore, the top corner for the Saints on the other side, certainly adds some upside here. We got DeAndre Hopkins back for this game. It's his first game. It coincides with Marquise Brown leaving with his foot injury. I don't have any idea what to expect from DeAndre Hopkins this week. I think there are plenty of situations where it's okay to take a shot on him because he does have a shot to just immediately be the number one wide receiver for this team and get plenty of target share for this game. The other side of that is he hasn't played since like the middle of last year. And before he got hurt last year, Hopkins was down in target share from where he had been previously. Yeah, down in target share and efficiency last year from, you know, 2021, his um, first year with the Cardinals. To me, if he wasn't coming off suspension, though, in this spot, you know, he'd be like a borderline wide receiver one with Marquise Brown out and no Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints. Um, you know, not not a great situation here coming off the six-game suspension and on a short week. But, I mean, it's the same offense he's been in for two years, um, you know, same quarterback. So there should be, you know, there shouldn't be too much of a, you know, learning curve for him getting back in, into action here. And Tom, Tom Pelissero said this morning too that um, full go was the, you know, quote he used for Hopkins tonight. So I don't think his snaps are going to be limited. I think he's going to be out there. Again, the matchup's fine. Um, so, you know, he, we have him as like a low-end wide receiver too in the rankings this week. Yeah, I mean, he's been out because of a PED suspension. So it's not like he's been working back from an injury. It's not like he's been uh, totally away from the team. So I would expect that he'll be ready. I would expect we'll get a full workload. You know, just tough to say, oh, first game back, it's going to be immediately this, especially because of the questions that we had on him from last year. I think among Cardinals, the guy that I feel best about betting on this week is Rondale Moore, who's done well on targets lately. The Saints are 22nd or worse in coverage DVOA versus every wide receiver spot, according to Football Outsiders. They're first in that category against tight ends, so it's not a great matchup for Zach Ertz. You know, Rondale Moore, if he had a good offensive coach, maybe he would be a great (laughs) bet for real production tonight. But as it is, I think he's a solid bet for like six, seven catches, whatever yardage he's able to find on those receptions. And then if, if Arizona does fall behind, then I think there's upside beyond that. Yep, 18 targets for more over the last two games, 23% target share. Moore is actually 12th among wide receivers and expected PPR points over the last two weeks. He's only 27th in actual PPR points. You know, he's been inefficient based on the use of, I think he's, I think he's a solid wide receiver three in PPR, you know, with upside, even finish the week as a top 24 guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Ertz, like I said, just okay. The saints are allowing just a 57% catch rate to tight end. So, I mean, if he's your guy, I would stick with him rather than looking mm-hmm. for a replacement, but if you're deciding between him and somebody else because you're tight end rich, then, you know, keep on chuckling at everybody else. And maybe there's somebody you can play over. Yeah. Tough matchup. The, the volume has been so good for Ertz though. And I had concerns about that. If we had Hopkins and Marquise Brown with Rondell Moore, but now the Marquise Brown's out, even with Hopkins back, I think um, Ertz's volume should, should stay solid. Anything else from that game? Nope. 
Cleveland at Baltimore Ravens by six and a half over under 45 and a half. Jared, I already bet Cleveland against the spread in this one. They're just two and four against the spread so far, but five of their six games have gone over. Baltimore is also two and four against the spread. Just two of their six have gone over. And I think that's because Baltimore hasn't done an awesome job scoring as opposed to doing well on defense. The defense is just 16th in overall DVOA so far. They're weaker against the run than the pass, which is not the way you want to set up when you're heading into a matchup against the Browns. So I'm betting this game is closer than that. And I'm also back to using the Browns running backs the way that I normally would, despite last week's disappointment. Yeah. I mean, last week was a game script thing for the backfield. I, I I'm with you. I think this game will stay close enough that uh, the Browns will be able to run the ball. Uh, Baltimore 24th in football outsiders run defense, DVOA 20th in adjusted points allowed to running back. So I think, you know, Chubb low end running back one, Kareem Hunt, low mind running back too. Amari mm-hmm. Cooper, 12 targets in two straight games, 10 plus targets in four or five games. Difficult not to play Amari Cooper at this point. Yeah, 27% target share on the season. He's ninth among wide receivers in expected points per game. Um, you know, it's been kind of up and down the target shares, but uh, you know, a guy with a chance to see 30% of his team's targets probably belongs in your fantasy lineup. And way more up than down. I mean, he's been 10 plus in four of six games. The other two are very low, but one of those was yep. week one. So, I mean, for most of the time since then, he's been a very good bet for target volume. And as you mentioned, even better bet for target share. David Ajoku, six plus targets in five straight games, 10th among tight ends in target share for the season. So, you know, I mentioned the position's tough. So if you've got David Njoku, just like leave him in there. Njoku leads all tight ends in receiving yards over the past four weeks. More than Mark Andrews, more than Travis Kelsey. He's been awesome. The usage has been awesome. And Baltimore, 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So great spot for Njoku. Love it. And he hasn't even had his real quarterback come back yet. So it's going to be a fun end of season for David Njoku. Mm -hmm. On the Baltimore side, Rashad Bateman was limited Wednesday. So we'll see if that foot allows him to return this week. I think, you know, we're not making the decision on him right now. We'll have to watch it play out. I think where you might have to make the decision is if your other option is playing tonight. So I would go ahead and play Rondell Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, certainly Chris Olave over him tonight. Yes, those three, you know, I wouldn't play anyone else. Um, you know, Traquan Smith, Marcus Callaway, God, no to A.J. Green. Um, so we'll see on Bateman. I kind of think he's going to be back this week. I think Baltimore needs him. Um, Lamar Jackson, 60% completion rate, 5.7 yards per attempt over his last three games now. Two of those came against Buffalo and Cincinnati, who's also been very good on defense this season. But, I, again, I think um, I think Baltimore's missed Bateman these last couple of games. Yeah, for sure. Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, still obvious plays here, despite Lamar Jackson's disappointing week against the Giants. He was limited Wednesday with an injury. I would expect that it's not going to be an issue for Sunday, but obviously we'll watch and make sure. And then I'm trying not to use this Baltimore backfield. I think Mm -hmm. the question that we're likely to see over the next few days is should I play Kenyon Drake or J.K. Dobbins? Honestly, I have no idea. There was no practice for Dobbins on Wednesday while he's dealing with the knee. But, you know, even if he's active, we're going to have to see now we know that that knee can lock up at any point. And we had a full practice for justice Hill on Wednesday. So it just could be a full on committee. Yes. The Hill point was the one I wanted to make um, because he, he seemed to be trending up before that hamstring injury. He had a strong game. John Harbaugh was talking him up. So um, you know, I, I'm not even sure that like, you know, Kenny and Drake, Drake will out carry justice Hill. I have no idea what the backfield split's going to look like. So I, I do think you have to stay away from it. And we're, I can see it already. We're all going to be sitting there on Sunday afternoon and anybody who used Dobbins or Drake is going to be like, oh, John Harbaugh hates my fantasy team. It's like, no, it just makes sense for them to go full on committee. None of these guys yeah. is like, you have to be on the field over everybody else. So, you know, go into the weekend 
expecting that Baltimore has reason to make this a committee. And the only reason to go away from it is if somebody dictates it within that game or somebody gets hurt. And Gus Edwards is going to be back um, soon here too. So it's, it's, it's messy. All are stashable through these bye weeks, but none is trustworthy right now. Yes. Yep. Anything else from that game? No. Atlanta at Cincinnati Bengals by six and a half over under 47 and a half. I've not bet this one yet, but the Falcons are six and O against the spread so far this season, three and three outright. So they've been underdogs in all six games. They've won three of those games where they were underdogs. They were 10 plus point underdogs twice week two against the Rams week five against the bucks. This line is the third biggest among those. So, I mean, Jared, I can't say that I feel comfy betting Atlanta within six and a half. But maybe I should. Yeah, Arthur Smith gets a lot of crap, and he, he probably should for you know how he's been using Good. Kyle Pitts and even uh, Drake London. But Atlanta is first in rush offense DVOA, and they're even 13th in pass offense DVOA. So you know the offense is playing well enough and just controlling the ball. I think to you know keep it out of the opponent's hand and, and keep these games close. So I don't know if I'd bet that one, but you know I, I definitely would not bet the, the Bengals side. It's not a great fantasy spot for these Falcons players. You hope the game goes like the Vegas Lions says for the sake of Drake London or Kyle Pitts, because if they fall behind by a touchdown plus, then maybe we get more passing volume, although that's not even guaranteed when they fall behind. The Bengals have been a terrible scoring matchup, though, for passing offenses in fantasy. If you check our fantasy points allowed page, which does adjust for opponents. They are third toughest against quarterbacks. They are second toughest against wide receivers, positive against tight ends, negative against running backs. So, you know, again, I guess it's, it's a good spot if you got Michael Pruitt or Felipe. Yeah. So Atlanta has, you know, I don't know if past is the right word, but Atlanta over the last four weeks has been the run heaviest offense, even run heavier than the bears. If you look at pass rate over expected. Um, So, you know, so, you know, Drake London target share is still there, but he's 55th among receivers and expected fantasy points over the past four weeks. Um, so he's, he's tough to use, as you mentioned, tough matchup against um, the, the, the Spangles wide receiver defense to me, like Kyle Pitts is the best play on this offense. And he's, you know, obviously not a comfortable play. Hey, if you absolutely need a tight end, who will get you four targets and two catches. He's got your back. <laughs> That's right. On the Bengals side, you can play everyone. I would ignore that Joe Mixon only got eight carries last week. The playing time was still there. He got six targets. That was tied for third on the team. I think it was just a goofy rushing game where they decided to throw it more. Yeah, you're probably right there. I think the throwing it more thing, though, is a trend I'm kind of betting on. If you look at their pass rate over expected stuff, it's um, it's climbed over the past two or three games now. Uh, but even that could be good news for Mixon. He, by the way, has been more efficient over the past two weeks, 5.6 yards per carry. Um, still getting nice usage in the passing game. So yeah, mix, mix an obvious starter here against Atlanta, who is 23rd against running backs. Yeah. It's going to affect his carry total. If the defense doesn't know that he's going to run it on every single first down, <laughs> it's going to improve the scenarios for him when he does get the ball. Exactly. Hayden Hurst, by the way, playing through a groin issue. So he's still limited by it. I doubt that it's the kind of thing that's going to keep him from playing, but it's something to factor in as we, like decide between Hayden Hurst and other guys around him in the rankings playing time has varied quite a bit over the past four weeks while dealing with that. Yeah. He's just going to be inconsistent because he's what, you know, the the fourth, maybe fifth option in this offense. So he's going to have some nice games. He's going to have some down games too. Um, Atlanta is actually 10th in football outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So, you know, I think they're weaker against wide receivers than, than tight ends, which, uh, you know, should, should push even more action towards Jason Higgins in this, in this matchup. Mm -hmm. Anything else from this game? No. 
Detroit at Dallas Cowboys by seven over under 48 and a half. No respect for the Lions in Vegas. <laughs> Dak Prescott is expected back this week from his thumb injury. I think there's some risk to playing him the first time out, but you balance that with the Lions being yeah. the fifth best QB scoring matchup and the league's worst defense. I guess that's arguable, but I, I mean, it, it, he could not pick a better spot to come back. Exactly. Um, you know, Football Outsiders has the Lions as the worst pass defense in the NFL. Cowboys have a 27.75 point implied total. So, like, you know, in, in a lot of matchups, I would advise sitting Dak in his first game back from a you know injury to his th- uh, throwing thumb. And like you said, there I think there is still a risk here, but the matchup is so good. Um, and again, quarterbacks weak to begin with. There's no Josh Allen. There's no Jalen Hurts. Like, you know, D- Dak's a pretty easy, you know, top eight quarterback to play this week, maybe even higher than that. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, 15 plus carries in every Cowboys victory this year. So if we expect them to win the way that Vegas is projecting them to, I think it's a solid spot for him. 19 and 22 carries in games that they won by seven plus so far. If this game gets lopsided, I think we see more carries for Zeke Elliott. Detroit's 31st in run D. So it's a good scenario for him to get those carries. So I know that we still don't get a whole lot of receiving from him, but I like his chances of rushing floor plus upside in this one. Yeah, hardly any receiving from Zeke, which is kind of hurt. So if I know it's made him touchdown reliant, but this is as good a matchup as you're going to get for a running back. Um, I even think, you know, Tony Pollard is, you know, easier to use because of this matchup, even though, you know, he's just getting okay volume. I do want to say that I think Dak's return is going to bring a big shift to this Cowboys offense. They've been one of the run heaviest offenses in the NFL with Cooper Rush over the past five games. I think, you know, they're going to go back to at least pass leaning with Dak Prescott. So that, that's obviously, you know, good news for these wide receivers. I don't think I, I bet that as well. Long-term. I'm not sure I bet it right away because I think sure. it would make plenty of sense for them to as much as possible, still lean toward more balance in this one. Try to not try to not let Dak Prescott bang his hand on somebody's helmet. Uh, for one thing, Tony Pollard still just a friend fringe option for me. The usage just, hasn't yeah. been good enough to count on when the team is leading. If they fall behind in this one, he could be a better bet, but it, it's been tough to to find those touches when Dallas is playing from ahead. Yeah, you're kind of banking on him breaking off a big run or scoring a touchdown. But again, I think that's more likely than usual in this matchup. CD Lamb, I would consider trying to trade for him if you are looking for wide receiver help because this is probably your last chance to really yeah. do so. Obviously, he could have a sluggish game against the Lions for whatever reason. Maybe it extends, but I think this is if if things go according to you know projections, expectation, he could have a big Sunday, and then anybody who has him is just like sweet. Now I've got CD yeah. Lamb with Dak the rest of the way. Yeah, again, you know, 32% target share for Lamb so far this season. The fact that Dallas has been so run heavy has kind of muted the total targets. But if he stays anywhere near that range with Dak Prescott, like, you know, C.D. Lamb's going to be a top five receiver the rest of the way. So, yeah, see if you can trade for him. I, I think see if you can go out and trade for Michael Gallup, too. Or he might even be available on some waiver wires. I mean, he, you know, Gallup coming off the ACL has seen an 18.5% target share over Dallas's last three games. So even if he stays there and Dallas throws more and it's more efficient throwing with Dak Prescott, you know, that can make Al a wide receiver three. And I think that target share could even climb further as he you know, puts that knee injury farther behind him. Mm-hmm. CD lamb did not make our buy sell hold report this week. That's because we had him a few weeks ago in it. Um, we did put up our latest buy sell hold report on Wednesday. So if you're a DS insider, you can read that now. If you are not a DS insider, you can become one and read that whenever you want. See uh, the other features along the way. I agree on Michael Gallup. I, I think that in terms of how we place him going forward, mm-hmm. I would expect him to be, 
kind of Gabe Davis level in terms of target share, volatility, ultimate week-to-week upside. I think that would be a a decent expectation for what you get in Michael Gallup. Yeah, and and I prefer Gabe Davis among those two pretty easily just in the better passing game. I also also think, you know, Gallup's probably not going to be at 100% until, you know, maybe the end of the season. So you're not going to get the same efficiency probably in big playability from him. Um, But again, if he's getting 20 or so percent of the targets, I think he can be useful. I think the return of Dak Prescott really is going to start to show us what we can really expect. Because obviously we're guessing we have not seen Michael Gallup coming off an ACL tear, playing without Amari Cooper. So there's Mm -hmm. there's some guesswork here, but we will at least start to really get um, a, a good look at things now. Dalton Schultz, by the way, full practice Wednesday. He's had that knee issue for a while, but it sounds like he's trending toward playing this week. Yeah, that's a weird one. He was not on last week's final injury report and then did not play against the Eagles on Sunday night and then ends a full go again on Wednesday. So, I mean, the, the you know, the matchup is awesome, you know, both for the Cowboys offense and for Schultz individually. Um, so that puts him in play, but I'd rather see him actually, you know, get through a healthy game before using him in a fantasy lineup. I don't know the specific rules of the injury reports, but I always find it funny when a guy is listed on the injury report Wednesday as a full participant. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't get what happened. I mean, I, it seemed like he got hurt in pregame warmups, but then he's a full go Wednesday. I don't know. It's it's a strange situation again. I I try to stay away from Schultz if you have a, you know another viable fantasy option. Speaking of injuries, on the other side, DeAndre Swift limited Wednesday coming out of the Lions bye, so maybe we get DeAndre Swift back this weekend. I was hoping to see him full practice. I mean, this this is kind of you know the game they had targeted all along for Swift's return. Um, so the fact that he was still limited is a little worrisome. Um, if he's active, you're, you're probably starting him, but we'll see how he progresses over the next couple of days. I think any day that DeAndre Swift puts in a limited practice the rest of the season is a positive day. That's just that's his mo. Yep, probably right. Um, is anybody else that is really worth talking about on the Lions side here? I mean, I'm on Ross St. Brown full practice on Wednesday, so you know he came back the game before the bye, but only played you know was it 30, 40 percent of the snaps. He should be back to his full slate of snaps on Sunday. So he's an obvious fantasy starter. DJ Chark and Josh Reynolds did not practice on Wednesday. Um, Chark, Chark's dealing with issues with the ankle he fractured last September. So I would bet on him not playing. We'll see about Josh Reynolds. But if those guys are out, it's, it's good news for TJ Hawkinson's target volume. Mm-hmm. And they targeted Amon Ross St. Brown on like 120% of the snap <laughs> he was on the field before the bye. Yeah, something like that. Green Bay at Washington Packers by five over under 41 and a half. AJ Dillon's playing time and usage rebounded in rebounded last week from the week five downturn in that London game against the Giants back even with Aaron Jones there. And that's where he's been every other week of the season besides the Giants game. So I think that's what we should expect going forward. This isn't a great rushing matchup, but AJ Dillon's okay to use. Yeah, I think that running back usage is part of Green Bay's problem right now. I mean, my eyes tell me Aaron Jones is the much better player. You look at any rushing metric, and Jones is beating A.J. Dillon. PFF rushing grade, elusive rating, football outsiders DVOA, um, NFL next-gen stats, yards over expected per carry. Jones easily beating Dillon in all those metrics. So, again, I think it should be more of like a 70-30 split. But, yeah, if Green Bay is telling us it's going to be 50-50, that's kind of how we have to treat it. I still think Jones is the better fantasy player because he's been much more efficient. I mean, to be fair, I think that it makes sense to limit things a bit to try to keep Aaron Jones healthy throughout the season. We do have plenty of injury history on him, and we know how much wear and tear there is uh, on running backs here. They got to start winning games, though, and I think Jones gives them a better shot to do that. I mean, if that, I don't think that's the thing keeping them from winning games. I think this team stinks is the, the big issue. So, I don't know. Either, either way, I think both of these guys will be plenty involved going forward. Robert Tunyon 
is the question, I think. He had not been plenty involved, only somewhat involved before last week, was plenty involved in that loss to the Jets. So now what do we expect from him going forward? Yeah, I mean, this is exciting because, you know, he'd been in that 50 to 60 percent of the routes for the first five games of the season, up to 74 percent last week and saw 27 percent target share last week. And even over the course of the season, Tunyon's been targeted on 22 and a half percent of his routes, which is sixth highest among tight ends. So, you know, the overall volume had been down because he hadn't been getting the routes. But if, he, if he's going to stay in that, you know, 70, 80 percent route range, you know, Rodgers just trusts him. You know, Rodgers trusts Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon, I think, more than anyone else right now. So I think he's going to continue to play a big role in this passing game if that playing time stays where it was last week. And that's why Aaron Rodgers looks even grumpier than usual because his <laughs> most trustworthy guys are Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon. And things are so yeah. bad in Green Bay right now that Jared just literally said he's excited about Robert Tunyon. <laughs> this is not a surprise. We had Aaron Rodgers ranks, you know, uncomfortably low. I remember that was like the first thing I noticed when I first loaded our projections is Rodgers like quarterback 18 and it felt bad. Uh, but we kept him there all, all summer. And that's probably about where he's going to finish. I, I felt just fine about it all along. I was, it was one of those where I saw it come out and I was like, okay, good. We're on the same page with Aaron Rodgers, And if we're uncomfortable with it, we can just meditate and figure it out. I would say with Robert Tunyon, it, we have to keep in mind that this was the first game all year in which he topped 44% playing time. His targets went five, two, two, four before the jets game. So, you know, I, I, I get all the, the stuff you said about how often he's getting targeted among his routes Let's just make sure that instead of saying, okay, now Robert Tunyon's ready to go, he can be my tight end 12 the rest of the way. There's still a chance that he's more like tight end 15. Yeah, there's a chance. Um, tough matchup here too, actually. Washington's been pretty good against tight ends. They're six and adjusted points a lot of the position. Um, so you're not super excited about Tunyon. Ideally, you wait to see that usage one more week. Uh, but, you know, I know a lot of teams aren't in position to, to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have other good options, like I, I would say that Tunyon – and um, Juwan Johnson are similar this yeah. week. I wouldn't be surprised at either one outdoing the other. I'd play Tanyan over Juwan Johnson tonight. I can understand that. I do think it's a better spot for Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs uh, matchup-wise in this one. As you mentioned, sixth toughest on tight end scoring is Washington so far. Easier on wide receivers. On the Washington side, Carson Wentz had surgery on his right ring finger Monday. Definitely out for at least this game. Not really clear yet how long beyond that. We got Taylor Heineke. I don't know about you, Jared. I'm not adjusting my outlook for anybody in Washington for the switch from Wentz to Heineke. I mean, Heineke last year as Washington starter had a better completion rate than Wentz has through the first five games of the season, 65% to 62%, or sorry, first six games of the season. Heineke averaged 6.9 yards per attempt. Carson Wentz is at 6.4 yards per attempt. So, yeah, I think at worst it's like a lateral move. And I think it really can't be – bad news for Terry McLaurin, who has been disappointing in fantasy because the volume has not been there. Um, 16% target share for McLaurin so far. He was at 25.5% with Heineke last season. Now, that was without Curtis Samuel for, you know, basically the entire season. So, I'm not sure. I don't think he's going to get back to 25%. But, but I think um, I think Heineke is probably going to end up being good news for McLaurin's fantasy production. There was no Curtis Samuel. There was no Jahan Dotson. And there was little Logan Thomas. So, I would factor all of those things into the target share, you know, maybe it ends up being good for Terry McLaurin, but I'm even Terry McLaurin. I'm not adjusting upward right now. Logan Thomas, no practice Wednesday with his calf injury. We had limited practice for Jahan Dotson. So maybe he's ready to return. I would not bet on Logan Thomas being ready for this one. And then the other thing is the backfield. Brian Robinson took over the carries on Monday night, still receiving went to Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. Right. 17 carries for Robinson. That was 
obviously nice to see. Still just 47% of the snaps, though. He's like a near zero in the passing game at this point. Only ran her out on 21% of the pass plays. Hasn't seen a single target through two games now. Um, so, you know, he's a guy I'd be looking to sell off the touchdown last week. Uh, I, I do think he's okay this week, though, because Green Bay is dead last in football outsiders run defense rankings. Um, they're 18th in adjusted po- uh, points allowed to running back. So it's a good matchup for Robinson. If they can keep the game close enough, I think he you know should get another you know 15 to, to 18 carries. It's not really fair, though, when you have to face Brees Hall and Braxton Berrios in the same game coming off the <laughs> matchup with Saquon Barkley. That's true. Anything else from this game? No. Tampa Bay at Carolina, Bucks by 11, despite their disappointing performance on the road the previous week, over under a 40 and a half here. The Tampa Bay offense was crappy at Pittsburgh, as I said last week, but they were over 350 passing yards each of the previous two weeks. They're not at last year's level for sure. Can't say that I'm overly worried about them, especially for this week, though. They, they, they went run leaning last week. They were negative 2% pass rate over expected after being like, positive 16 and positive 18 the previous two weeks. I don't know what that was all about. Um, I would expect them to shift back towards the pass. Um, they did in their two meetings against Carolina last year. Brady was good against his defense last year, 70% completion rate, 8.3 yards per attempt. And he didn't have uh, Chris Godwin for either of those games. So yeah, I'm, you know, cautiously buying back into Brady despite last week's uh, letdown. But th- this is also a game where, you know, it might be over by halftime. So you kind of have to hope Brady gets his, gets his, touchdowns in the first half yeah if it is over by halftime though it will have been a big first half for everybody like the kind of game where he could be sitting at 280 and two to three touchdowns by halftime sure yep i do think chris godwin is uh at least somewhat of a buy right now six plus catches in three straight games no touchdowns yet which is keeping his fantasy total down no apparent setbacks since returning from his hamstring issue so we should assume that he'll get closer to full strength as we move um, toward the end of the season in coming mm-hmm. back from that ACL tear at the end of last year. Yeah. 91% of the routes last week for Godwin after he, you know, was scaled way back in the previous game. So that was good to see if, he, if he's up there the rest of the way, I think he's going to be a wide receiver one Godwin, by the way, 24% target per route rate, Mike Evans and Russell Gage are down at like 17%. So when Godwin's been on the field this season, you know, he, he's been Brady's clear top target. Mm-hmm. Cade Otten, I think, does he reside in Robert Tunyon, Juwan Johnson range this week? Yes, I would I would play Otten over Juwan Johnson. I think, you know, Otten versus Tunyon is a close call. Um, and that's assuming Cameron Brate's out. Brate you know, didn't practice Wednesday after getting carted off this past weekend. So I would assume he's going to miss this game. But when Brate missed week five, Otten ran her out on 91% of the pass plays, got seven targets, caught six of them. Um, he's looked good. Even, even last week he made a couple – he made at least one you know, nice catch over the middle – of the field. So he's looked solid. It seems like Brady trusts him enough. I think, you know, he's, he's a good bat for like five, six, seven targets in this game. And then, I mean, anything else to talk about from this offense? I feel like everybody else is pretty straightforward. Yeah. For that obvious must start. I, th- I still think Rashad White's in play as a running back three or flex. And he's getting enough work, at least in PPR leagues to, to be an option. If you're you know looking for someone during bye weeks I think he's very similar to Tony Pollard, really. Yep, exactly. On the Carolina side, Christian McCaffrey, if he makes it to Sunday, still on this team and absolutely nothing else. And I hope for his sake that he doesn't make it to Sunday on this team. (laughs) Half of the league's wide receivers are on by this week, and DJ Moore is still 47 (laughs) in our rankings. PJ Walker had negative air yards passing that. He only had one completion past the line of scrimmage, and it was like one yard past the line of scrimmage. I've never seen anything like that. 
And then I saw a headline today where the where Steve Wilkes, the interim coach, says third downs are our uh, what a downfall or something like that. Our, our <laughs> nemesis, like no, yeah, your nemesis that's, that's is far more sinister than third downs, buddy. <laughs> All right, I I don't I have nothing else to say about that no. team. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it's McCaffrey and, and nothing else. Giants at Jaguars. Jags by three over under 42. Saquon Barkley was limited Wednesday. I hope that they limit him in every single practice the rest of the way. I'm not worried about him for Sunday, but we'll obviously watch. There was no practice still for Kadarius Toney or Kenny Galladay on Wednesday. We don't care about Galladay at this point. We are interested to see if there's anything to Tony if he's ever back on the field <laughs> through his six different hamstring injuries. But I mean, that's pretty much all there is to talk about on the Giants side as far as what you would actually want to start. Yeah, Barkley, the only locked-in starter. I think Wondell Robinson and Daniel Bellinger now, their two rookies, are fringe starters. Robinson caught the touchdown last week, ran her out on only 35% of the dropbacks, though. You know, that's not a usable number. I would expect that to rise quickly. Um, he, he looked good. Uh, I think he's, you know, clearly their best receiver right now for as long as Tony is out. Um, and he got four targets on his 12 pass route. So, like, when he was out there, Jones was targeting him. So, that's encouraging. So, again – if we knew the route rate was going to get up to, you know, even 70%, I'd say, I'd say start Wandale. He's risky until we actually see that happen. Yeah. And you know, a, a defense that was disappointing last week, but has been fine overall. So it's not yep. uh, an automatic production spot. So I agree. Yep. I think if you've had Wandale Robinson, or if you picked him up, you're watching to see how things go. There's reason for optimism, but it's not quite time to fire him up yet. If you don't need to. Yeah, then it'd be the same for me with uh, Daniel Bellinger. He did set a season high in route rate last week, 82%. Like, that's a mark where if he, he stays up there, he's someone we can, you know, use when you need him. Like, I'm not excited about the guy. I don't think he's a great player, and it's still an unexciting passing offense. Um, but, you know, the, the usage you know might be there for Bellinger the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. On the Jaguars side, the offense was fine last week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, I think, are all in play at modest levels this week in a, a non-scary matchup. The Giants' sixth most friendly to QB scoring, terrific for tight end scoring, negative for RB and wide receiver, but I don't think there's anything that's significantly adjusting anyone's outlook in this game for me. Yeah, Football Outsider says the Giants 28th in run defense. I would trust that more than the fact that they're eighth right now in adjusted points allowed to the position. Um Travis Etienne has outsnapped James Robinson in, in three straight games. Now, still, if you look at the expected fantasy points, they're, they're basically neck and neck. Um, you know, they're kind of splitting carries. Etienne's not getting as much work in the passing game as we'd like to see. So I, I'd lean Etienne among the two, but I think, you know, they're both like RB3s right now. It'd be James Robinson for me because what we've had the past three weeks was them losing every time. And in the two games yeah. that James Robinson won – or I'm sorry, in the two games of the Jaguars won 17 and 23 carries for Robinson, 12 or fewer and 13 or fewer opportunities in games that they've lost. So with them being home favorites and with the Giants opponents passing under expected um, for the season, mm-hmm. I, I'd be betting James Robinson here and also playing him over some other guys that are ahead of him in our rankings. Yeah, Etienne started last week's game. I don't know how much that means, but you know, he, he was the first guy on the field for, for the first time this season. Um, and he continues to just look way better than James Robinson and, and all the numbers back that up. Um, so I just think things are trending in that direction, but you're, you're right that this game script probably won't be like the ones that Jacksonville has you know, faced the last couple of weeks. So again, I think they're both, you know, fringy fantasy plays this week. Frankly, I hope that I'm wrong in the case for James Robinson yeah. and that they both play exactly the same, even if the Jaguars are winning and yeah. Travis Etienne actually finally becomes something for us. You know, what's, you know, what's annoying too is Jamichael Hasty keeps getting like two or three touches every game and he tends to like break off a long one. He has at least two big plays this year. It's like, if that was Etienne, he's, 
he's making that play, if not doing more of it, but it's, that's, that's just annoying. <laughs> so what, what would he do to make it more than a 62 yard touchdown run? Well, like, one, one was a touchdown. One was a touchdown. One was like a long run that did not result. I'm just saying ETN gotcha. could definitely do what hasty has done on those plays. If not more. I just didn't know if he was going to finish <laughs> off conducting a band or something. All right. Yeah. He, he might. <laughs> uh, anything else from that game? Um, Oh, Zay Jones, I wanted to highlight because his usage has been nice when he's been healthy this season. The fantasy production hasn't quite been there yet, but he has a 20 and a half percent target share. Um, you know, we'll see if they get Marvin Jones back this week, but I think Zay Jones is someone to, you know, consider if you're hurting with bye weeks. Mm-hmm. Indy at Tennessee Titans by two and a half over under 42 and a half on Wednesday. We had Jonathan Taylor limited. That doesn't necessarily mean he's on track to play, but it's a good sign that he's doing something. So we'll watch and see Naheem Hines, a full practice coming off his concussion. So he should be good to go. You know, we'll see what the backfield does as we get closer to game time. Yeah. Deion Jackson, a full go too. Um, on Wednesday after hurting his quad late in that surprisingly big game last week. I would expect Jonathan Taylor back this week. And if that's the case, you're starting him, you're not starting Hines or Deion Jackson. I also think, you know, the the biggest surprise to me last week was the Colts going as pass heavy as they did and being as successful as they were. I mean, you know, I got to give it to Matt Ryan. He played a nice game on, you know, 50 whatever pass attempts he had. I do think, though, if Taylor's back, that the Colts go back to, you know, at least a run leaning offense you know that's what they were the first five games this season so again i think um jt status is gonna is gonna impact a lot in this game we do still have the titans favored by two and a half at home kind of surprised it's not a little bit higher than that because i don't think the colts have shown to be a better team so far this year um so we'll see matt ryan threw for 356 in the first meeting with tennessee with jonathan taylor in that game and carrying 20 times that's one of three games over 350 yards for ryan this year he's qb 12 in total fantasy points basically because of those three games the other three much lower down titans a positive qb matchup overall i think matt ryan's a solid play this week i think he's i think he's probably a little bit closer to Derek carr than what our rankings say right now yeah i just i just don't trust it because i still don't think he's very good at this point of his career and again he he's played well if you look at the pff passing grades he's played well two of the last three weeks now the week in between was a total dud so again i i just i don't trust him but he played well last week the matchup's good so i I do think you know we were talking about this before i prefer jimmy garoppolo as a spot starter this week i have jalen hurts on quite a few teams and garoppolo's guy i'm rolling with this week it's not comfortable we can talk about him in a bit Um, but i do think you know right behind garoppolo i think ryan's probably the next best spot starter this week that might be available on your waiver wire. I think that if Jimmy Garoppolo makes you feel warmer than Matt Ryan, it's just because you're looking at his smile too much when you're making the, the, the no, decision no. between them. No, no, Debo, Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle make me feel better about Jimmy Garoppolo. All right. Um, Alec Pierce, boom, busting this one. I mean, you know, he, he's going to be nice if he catches a touchdown. If he doesn't, he's probably not. Yeah, um, it, it stinks that he's still behind Pittman and Paris Campbell in terms of playing time. Um, but he's finished as a top 30 fantasy wide receiver in three straight games now. Like he's, he's getting it done. He's getting targeted at a high rate when he's on the field. So, And again, the matchup's good. Tennessee 30th against wide receivers. So I, I think Pierce is in you know the wide receiver four mix this week. I'm going to need to see more from Paris Campbell before I'm believing that he's an entity. Oh, God, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Anything else here? Nope. Houston at Vegas in the 405 Eastern time slot. We got the Raiders by seven coming off a bye over under a 45 and a half Houston side. Brandon cooks total snaps and snap share have declined every week of the season so far, but 
was still tied with Nico Collins in route rate the last time out. So I wouldn't say I'm worried about Brandon Cooks. It'll be something to watch going forward. I think he and Damian Pierce remain the guys that you use from the Houston side. Yeah, I actually hadn't noticed the um, snap share declining. Did, did you look at his route rates or those down and off? I mean, that's what we really care about. I mean, it was still at 92% last week. Uh, so I don't think okay. that he's really being taken out. It's probably yeah. the team running like one uh, wide receiver and just running the ball sure. more often with Damian Pierce emerging. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, now, I did notice that Cooks had a 29% target share over the first two weeks of the season. That's down to 22% over the last three. Now, those are tiny sample sizes. I'm not you know, going to go projecting him for low 20s at this point going forward, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, good matchup here for the passing game. So I, I do think Cooks is someone you, you stick with in lineups. On the Vegas side, Darren Waller, no practice Wednesday coming off the bye with his hamstring injury. So that's particularly worrisome given the layoff. Foster Moreau also limited that day with the knee injury. So we'll see about him. But if Darren Waller's out for this game, I think Hunter Renfro probably gets a bump. A 73% yep. route rate last time out against the Chiefs, well behind Mac Hollins' 92%. Yeah, I think Renfro gets a bump if Waller's out. I think Moreau works his way into the spot start discussion um you know we got six games of him without darren, darren waller last season uh 4.8 targets per game for moreau on a 14 percent target share so not big numbers but you know he was he was decent on that uh volume that he that he did see so not not an exciting play but i do think you know like if you have darren waller i, I would just go pick up foster moreau and, and use him if waller ends up sitting this week mm-hmm um, Derek Carr, solid option this week, likely a higher floor than Trevor, Trevor Lawrence or Jimmy Garoppolo. I suppose you could argue Derek Carr versus Matt Ryan. I would, I would say that Derek Carr's floor is higher than Matt Ryan's. Um, I think his ceiling is higher than Aaron Jones this week. I do still think that Matt Ryan looks similar, but I mean, I can get starting Derek Carr, especially if you already have him on your roster. Yeah. I mean, the, the Raiders big implied total, I think is the biggest thing working in Carr's favor. Um, Houston's actually been much tougher against the pass than the run. Football Outsiders has them 16th in pass defense. They're 29th in run defense. And teams are going run heavy against Houston. Um, and the Raiders have trended that way as well because Josh Jacobs is playing like the best running back in the league for you know the past few weeks. So I, I would kind of expect another run-leaning game plan from Vegas in this one. So if you start Carr, I think you're just kind of hoping for him to you know, get two or three of the team's touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And then we're all ready to see Josh Jacobs get back. That was a long week to oh, yeah. go without him. Oh, yeah. Great, great spot for Jacobs this week. Anything else from this game? Nope. Jets at Denver, Broncos by one. So how is your first season in Denver going? Thing <laughs> oh, not bad. We're one-point home favorites against the Jets. 38.5 point over under here. Both teams are under 20 for implied total. And that is the summary of this game. On the Jets side, Brees Hall and absolutely nothing else on the Denver side. It gets even worse because Russell Wilson's now got a hamstring injury, so he's Mr. Limited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Jets passing game is dead. Um, they've gone super run heavy with Zach Wilson over the last three games. Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson's route rate was both way down. It was way down for both those guys. All three of those wide receivers are outside the top 60 in expected fantasy points since Zach Wilson took over. So they're not options. The tight ends aren't options because they're splitting snaps again. So, yeah, it's, it's just Brees Hall on the Jets side. And then, you know, on the Denver side, I talked about Russell Wilson. The Jets defense is also something worth paying attention to. Ninth worst scoring matchup for quarterbacks so far. Negative for wide receivers and tight ends. Only slightly positive for running backs. And even if we believe in that being positive, 
who's the leader in the Denver backfield? Nathaniel Hackett says yeah. Melvin Gordon's going to start. That was the case Monday night as well. He ended up with three carries. So I would love to not use any Broncos running back. I would work to not use a Broncos running back this week. Like, I, you know, there's, you know, they're, they're both, they're all outside the top 30 in our rankings this week. You just can't trust it. And, you know, they haven't really been effective. Even, you know, the guys that have been getting carries, I, I guess I mean, Murray looked okay on Monday night, but you know, that was against a bad Chargers run defense. Um, yeah, so I, it's just, I think it's just Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy as options. Judy's a, a fringe starter at this point just because he hasn't been producing much. Um, Greg Dalsich, nice debut for him on Monday night. Um, I'd, I'd like to see it again. I mean, you know, he still only got, what was it, three three targets um, for Dalsich. You know, the, the playing time was strong, but, um, and especially if, if Russell Wilson's out. If Wilson's out, I mean, I think all these guys become tough, tough to trust if it's Brett Rippon in there. I mean, I think they're tough to trust whether Russ is in or out. I even Cortland Sutton is difficult for me to start at the level where we have him this week, which is mm-hmm. ahead of Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Cook, Samari Cooper, Alan Lazard, uh, Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk. I think I'm starting all of those guys over Sutton, and then it gets to be a I'm not sure if coin flip. Yeah, that's fair. I, I I'd be fine with moving Sutton down a bit. Um, he's actually only just barely out targeted Jerry Judy in their four game or four healthy games together. Um, so yeah, I mean, Sutton's been more efficient, but you know, the volume again has been pretty much split evenly. Here's an interesting bi-week question, Jared, that does not involve this game. So we can start transitioning away from it. Start Wandale Robinson <laughs> or DJ Moore at flex this week. And Oh my God, I would have to close my eyes and click one. I'd start Wandale Robinson. I think that there's, I, I can't argue with taking that shot. So I, I so I won't. I, yeah. I, I literally think Wandale just outscored more in his debut. You know, he scored more points than Morris in any any game this season. Yeah, he, I, I don't doubt that at all. And last week we saw um, DJ Moore go for seven yards on multiple catches. It wasn't like he had one catch. He had like three. I think he had two. <laughs> Was it two? I think he had, he had, I think he had two. He had like six targets though? Let's see. I'm pulling it up. Uh, three catches on seven targets for seven yards. One yard per target. Nice. There you go. Gross. So yeah, Wandale Robinson, I guess. And let's move on now because I'm going to get sad if we start talking more about DJ Moore. Kansas City at San Francisco. Chiefs by two and a half. We got an over under 48 and a half here. On the Chiefs side, kind of a mass spot for Juju Smith-Schuster coming off a big game. San Francisco's been pretty good on defense. Um, CEH also has played fewer snaps than Jarek McKinnon in three of the past four games. So I mean, I I guess Juju and CEH are both guys that you consider using this week. Neither is one that I'm starting comfortably. And I don't know why the Chiefs haven't already traded for Cam Akers. They should, they should trade for DJ Moore. That'd be that'd be fun. It's um, not happening. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of DJ Moore's going here things out they, there. It just doesn't make any offered, sense. If they offered enough, it would happen. I mean, you know, I don't know what it would take. But yeah, the guy's 25 and he just got his contract extension in March. Carolina's not trading him. All right. Yeah. I mean, Ju- I mean, Ju- I would, I'd be, sell- I'd be selling Juju right now if I could, um, you know, he had the one big play against the bills. I mean, he you know, broke a few tackles, but he only saw five targets in that game, a 12 and a half percent target share. He's on a 17 and a half percent target share for the season. He's 52nd among receivers and expected fantasy points. So you know, I-, I don't feel any different about Juju now than I did heading into last week. Um, I guess same goes for Edwards Alaire. I mean, you know, we hate to say I told you so, but Edwards Alaire, but you know, we were saying from you know week two on that he was a sell. Um, his usage hasn't changed a ton. He's just stopped scoring a touchdown every five times he touches the ball. Um, and a tough matchup here for a CEH. So, you know, he, he's in RB3 territory in our rankings this week. Mm-hmm. 
Um, upside matchup for the 49ers passing game, which is why Jared wants to play Jimmy Garoppolo's yeah. beautiful face. It's, I think Jeff Wilson Jr. is tougher to trust, both because of last week, which obviously was largely game flow dependent, but they're underdogs again this week. Again, they weren't underdogs last week. They are underdogs this week. And I, th- I still think that the return of Tyreon Davis price might factor in. He barely played last week, but the game before he got hurt, he was almost even with Wilson and carries. We do have Tevin Coleman there. So there's just a chance that even if this game goes San Francisco's way, we get a committee approach. Yeah. Wilson's share of the running back carries is down to 67% over the last two weeks. I mean, it was at 73% over the previous two, you know, 67% is still a nice mark for a team that's usually, you know, running the ball plenty. Now that that's the risk with Wilson in this game is that we get a similar game script to what we got last week. And he's kind of phased out. He's still not doing much in the passing game. Um, decent matchup for the running game. Uh, Chiefs are 28th, actually, in adjusted points allowed to running back. So if Wilson gets the ball, I think he'll be fine. I just think that the risk is he only gets, you know, 10 or so carries again if the Niners fall behind. Yeah, it's a little bit tougher to gauge even because we just saw, um, well, I guess it was two weeks ago now, we saw Josh Jacobs tear up the Chiefs, which, you know, how much of that was Josh Jacobs? How much of it was the Chiefs' defense? Certainly, I would say the 49ers would probably like to run the ball quite a bit early and keep the chiefs Mm -hmm. offense off the field if it can. So, you know, there's a chance that things get going like that early and that Wilson even has, you know, 60 yards and a touchdown by halftime. Yeah. Even last week, Devin Singletary ran pretty well against this chiefs run defense. So it's definitely beatable. I think, you know, I think Wilson's a volatile fantasy play this week. Mm -hmm. Um, The passing game pieces I think are are pretty straightforward. You got anything else you want to highlight from this game? Can I talk about why I like Jimmy G so much this week? Besides the fact that he has, you know, three of the, the best weapons in the NFL. Um, so the, the Niners, you know, oh. football. What? Are, you mean, you mean like one of the best sets of three weapons yes. in the NFL? Yes. One, okay. okay. One of the best trios. One of the best trios. I got you. Um, so based on football outsiders, DVOA, the, the Niners have been much better in the passing game than the running game so far this season. They're seventh in pass offense. They're 26th in run offense. And since Garoppolo took over, they're actually, you know, about league average in terms of pass rate over expected. They're actually plus 1%. So they're actually passing a bit more than we'd expect. And then the Chiefs are third in pass rate over expected again. So teams are attacking the Chiefs through the passing game. The Chiefs are 28th in football outsiders pass defense DVOA, 31st in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, I think, you know, if this game goes according to the Vegas line and the Niners are playing from behind, you're going to get, you know, 30 to 35 Garoppolo pass attempts and hopefully it doesn't implode. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let's hope. I, you know, to be fair on the Vegas line, they are underdogs, but it is just two and a half. So it's not like yep. they're saying that the Chiefs are going to um, run away with this one. It'll be an interesting game. I wouldn't be shocked if Jimmy Garoppolo helps out our fantasy teams this week. Seattle at the Chargers. Chargers by six in this one over under 51. Keenan Allen limited Wednesday. So, Jared, are we going to get him back before the week eight bye? Yeah. Well, he, he came out and said, like, I'm considering or the team is considering keeping him out of this game just to, you know, get him two more weeks to get healthy. So we'll see. Now, Josh Palmer's in the concussion protocol. So I don't know if his availability will impact whether or not Keenan Allen comes back. Um, you know, we're just going to have to wait until Friday to see on those guys. I, I think if Allen's back, like, I'd lean towards using him. He's been held out so long. It seems like they've been pretty cautious with the hamstring. And then if Allen's out and Palmer is in, I think, you know, Palmer's an okay wide receiver three. He's coming off you know, a pretty busy game in that win over the Broncos. 
Yeah, I think we should probably bet on Palmer not playing. No practice Wednesday with a concussion, so that tends to trend toward a guy not playing at mm-hmm. all that week. Um, Gerald Everett also didn't practice Wednesday. That's an illness, so likely to be back, but we'll watch that. Also no practice for Donald Parham um, coming off his own concussion. He had a nasty one of those last year, so I would assume yeah. that he'll be out, and we'll see um, how long beyond this game. Dustin Hopkins is out two to four weeks with a hamstring injury that he soldiered through in that awful <laughs> Monday night game. Uh, we got Taylor Bertolette in for him. So that's a name to be aware of if you're looking for a kicker this week. And then at the final injury point for the Chargers, Joshua Kelly, no practice Wednesday with a knee issue. So Sony Michelle's not like a usable fantasy guy, but if you're in a position where you're looking for somebody to just stash ahead of the weekend yes. in case somebody gets hurt, I think Sony Michelle is a solid stash. Yeah, Kelly sprained his MCL. He's out two to four weeks. That's what uh, Brands Daily said on Tuesday. So, yeah, I do think Michelle, I picked him up in a few FFPC league, leagues last night just as a stash. Um, the Parham injury is big for Everett because Parham was starting to eat into Everett's snaps and targets last week. It was a season-low uh, route rate for Everett last week. But if Parham's out, and I'm with you, I think it, that's likely – um, I think Everett becomes a safer play, and the matchup's awesome. The Seahawks are dead last in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. Chargers defense, meanwhile, has not been scary to anyone. It's a bad scoring matchup for tight ends. But if you're playing a Seahawks tight end, you're not like, oh, this is a great spot for him. You're like, <laughs> oh, I hope that this guy scores this week. So yeah. we can use a Seahawks tight end if we want. I like the spot for Geno Smith and his wide receivers. Geno is seventh in our quarterback rankings this week. I'd play Geno Smith over Kyler Murray and probably Dak Prescott this week as well because it's Dak's return from the thumb injury. Yeah, Geno coming off his worst PFF passing grade of the season. He was 24th among quarterbacks last week. So I'm just hoping he's not, you know, reverting back to, you know, Jets, Geno or whatever. I, I think he'll bounce back. Like you said, it's a good matchup. I think this should be a high scoring game. I think the Chargers offense is going to bounce back and put points on the board. I think that's going to force Geno to have to throw. So I, I feel pretty good going back to him. If he, if he lays another egg on Sunday, then it'll be, I think, time to worry about Geno a little bit. And it is a 51 point over under, as I mentioned, that's the biggest of the week. So Vegas is saying that the points are going to come back for the chargers as well. Yep. Anything else from that game? I know Kenneth Walker borderline RB one, the rest of the way, Um, not getting amazing passing game usage, but he's getting enough and he's going to dominate the carries. He looks awesome. Uh, Good matchup for Walker here. So I like him a lot. Good, good DFS play this week too. Yeah. Pretty easy start this week. I agree. Sunday night, Pittsburgh at Miami dolphins by seven over under 44 and a half. We had, we'll start with the away team because we usually do full practice for Pat Fryermuth on Wednesday coming off his concussion. So he should be back. Kenny Pickett was also cleared to practice Wednesday. So he still needs to finish his way through the protocol, but coming off his own concussion, he seems like he's on track to play for this game. And it's a good spot for the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh passing game here. Yeah. Mike Donald did say that if Pickett clears, he's still their starter, even after, you know, Trubisky finished that win over at the bucks last week. So you're not, you're not using Pickett outside of super flex leagues, but um, man, Deontay Johnson is 12th among wide receivers and expected fantasy points over the past four weeks. He's like 30 something if in um, actual fantasy points. So I, I think he's a decent buy at this point still. I mean, He's not going to be super efficient with the quarterback situation, but he's going to be more efficient than, than he has been so far. I think he's a pretty easy starter still, especially in this matchup, as we've talked about. Miami is a good spot for opposing passing games. And then I think George Pickens is, you know, still in the wide receiver three mix, even after, you know, Claypool's big game last week. I still think Pickens is the guy I'd, I'd rather use over Claypool. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a big gap between them, but I would lean Pickens over Claypool. And they're all in usable range for varying uh, yep. fantasy league sizes at this point for this week. Negative matchup for Najee Harris. He's also losing receiving work to Jalen Warren. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, he outtouched Warren 16 to 2 last week. So that was good to see, but still just 50% of the pass routes for Najee Harris. You know, he was up in the 60, 70% range last year. So that's that's his biggest problem. Um, Miami's been much tougher against the, the run than the pass so far this season, too. So, you know, Najee is just a, you know, floor RB2 play at this point. Mm-hmm. On the defensive side for Pittsburgh, Minka Fitzpatrick is expected back from his knee injury. So that helps the Pittsburgh defense, makes the matchup a little bit tougher for Miami. But Dolphins expect to have Tua Tungavailoa back. He sits inside our top 10 at QB coming off his concussion of a few weeks ago. So a solid player to use. And it's just nice to know that they're going to have an NFL quarterback in this game so we can comfortably play the pass catchers. Does that include Mike Gusecki this week? I'm not ready to trust Gusecki yet. Um, no, he, he posted a season high 75% route rate last week. That's a really nice number. That followed a, a 66% route rate in week five. Um, he has 13 targets over the last three games now. Like, I, I don't know if it's game plan or game script based though, or if they're actually starting to work or if they're just, um, showcasing Gasecki for a trade. He's been mentioned as a trade candidate. So I don't know what's going on there. I, again, I, um, he, he's worth adding in deeper leagues if you need tight end help, but I would try not to use him. Like I would use Tunyon over Gasecki this week. Um, I'd even use Foster Moreau over Gasecki if Waller's out. I'd play Gasecki over Foster Moreau, but can't argue strongly against it. Um, why is Raheem Mostert not uh, higher than RB25 in our PPR rankings? Uh, the running game isn't very good, and Chase Emmons worked his way back into the mix last week. I mean, it was a 60-40 split in terms of snaps in favor of Mostert. They basically split uh, pass routes down the middle, um, so... I don't know. I was excited about Mostert last week, and he was kind of a letdown. Uh, so maybe it's an overreaction, but I think I think he's a fine RB two. But I'm not excited about him just because that run game is not very good. I agree with that. I would take a shot on him over Eno Benjamin because I think he's a higher upside guy in a better offense. But if somebody's like, "No way, I'm playing Eno Benjamin because he controlled the backfield last week," I'm like, "Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Could be him." <laughs> um, anything else from that game? Uh, nope. Good, because we're closing out with a Monday night game that really, yeah. Jared, I'm not sure that it's possible to spend too little time on this game. We got Chicago. I haven't, I haven't seen the Bears. I haven't seen the Bears offense yet enough this season. I want to see more of it. <laughs> yeah. Chicago <laughs> at New England. Patriots by eight over under 39 and a half. So, hey, it's not the lowest over under of the week, at least. Mac Jones says he expects to play. Obviously, he's too excited to face the Bears um, <laughs> to hold it in. We'll see about Damian Harris. We don't have a practice report yet because it's uh, we'll get the first one on Thursday. Um, it seemed like he was close to playing last week, so I think we should assume that there is a decent chance he plays this week, but yeah. it's a Patriot, so we probably won't know until Monday, really. Yeah, hopefully by Saturday when we get their final injury report, we'll know. Um, I mean, I think even if Harris is back, that Ramondre Stevenson's probably going to be in most fantasy lineups. And we talked about it last week with the Washington matchup, but teams continue to go super run heavy against the Bears um, because their run defense is not good. Teams know their offense isn't you know, a threat to score a bunch of points. So these teams are just running the ball, trying to get out of there with a win. I think the Patriots are going to do that. I think you're going to, you know, get 20 plus carries out of Stevenson if Harris is out. And even if Harris plays, I think, you know, Stevenson could get 15 or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. On the other side, David Montgomery is okay as an RB two. So if the Patriots 
MO on defense is to focus on stopping <laughs> your biggest threat. Yeah. Are they just, is this a week where they just like drive themselves nuts because they yeah. realize there is, is no big threat in Chicago? Who is it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't think the Bears stop are gonna Dante score. Pettis this week. Good luck, boys. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Montgomery 15 carries and three targets in his four healthy games this season. That's enough to make him an okay fantasy option, but not exciting. Clearly Herbert continues to look better than him, but until you know the Bears change their workload split, it's it's Montgomery. Justin Fields aggravated his left shoulder injury on Thursday night. We'll see if that actually impacts his availability. I'm not sure that really matters for anything for fantasy purposes, though. Two straight top twelve fantasy finishes for Justin Fields. Sweet, good for best, good for best ball. Still not trusting him in the lineup setting league. Yeah, and that really, I think, probably says more about how many disappointing QB weeks we got over the past two than it does about his performance. Because it's not like he lit up either team. Right, one passing touchdown in both those games. The rushing production's been good, but yeah, it's not like he's been putting up huge fantasy totals. Mm-hmm. That's going to do it for this week seven preview edition of the podcast. Become a DS insider today. If you want to see exactly how we rank all of these guys against each other for week seven. And of course, every week coming up beyond that, or who we recommend starting in your own personal lineup. You can use the, my team page to check out that specific aspect. Our latest buy, sell, hold report, as I mentioned, is live on DraftSharks.com. Now stocked with a bunch of names this time for you to consider. Um, this week, I also extended the DFS showdown tips to the Thursday night game after plenty of folks asked me to, I couldn't deny them any longer. So check that out. Look for that on a weekly basis going forward. If you're not a DS insider, but you still want to support us, you can subscribe, rate, review, follow, share the podcast on your chosen flat platform. You can click the links at the bottom to visit our sponsors and play on those sites as well. We appreciate all that support. So thank you in advance for Jared Smoll and the rest of the draft sharks crew. I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.